Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to be able to open up your word. And Lord, um, even as I look down and see these cans here, I just pray that it would be for the glory of your name like we just sung. And so, Lord, we thank you for the generosity and the gifts of people bringing stuff. It's so super cool. Father, I pray that each week we would bring more stuff and we would be able to hit it. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to hit not only our goal, but even exceed it. I pray that we would become bold evangelists of Jesus Christ, that others would come to Christ simply because they see the deeds of your people of faith. Father, I do pray that in Jesus' name there would be a sense, um, a powerful sense of your presence here. Lord, I know that there are some, Lord, I I just want you to speak, Lord, to the wife who's had just about enough, to the husband who feels like that uh, relationship and friendship with with that co-worker uh, is something that he should continue to pursue. Lord, I just pray that he walk away. Lord, I pray for the people who are new here, who just came because someone else invited them and can't wait till I shut up. Lord, I also pray for the believers here who have gone about as far as they could go. And they need your strength. Your strength. Not my words. They need your strength. And so, Father, I ask that in Jesus' name, your Holy Spirit would touch each one of us at the point of our need and that there would be power and that we would be broken and that we would see Jesus as glorious and wonderful and that we would have no other recourse other than to turn to you. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles. We are in a series in the book of James. Now, this is important because if you just follow along where we were, you'll follow along where we are, right? We're in James chapter 2. We're going to start in 14. The reason that we're starting in 14 today is because we ended at verse 13 last week. And so we're going to head and just going to plow through the book. That's how we roll uh, up in this piece. We, uh, uh, we go through the Bible like gangbusters, right? We ain't playing, right? We want God's word. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you ever get, like if you're a Christian, you're a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christian, what we do is that we always put God's Word above our life, right? God's Word is always above our life. And then when we get to a place where we either don't understand or, gosh, doesn't, is, that seems like a contradiction. Is that a contradiction? I don't know. Well, whatever we do is we say, well, God's Word is good. Then we have to try to understand what's in God's word. Now, most people, what they do is that they stand on top of God's word. And they say, no, 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 no. My thoughts, my ideas, my, if it doesn't make sense in the Bible, then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to flow with me because I'm the authority. Now, they never say it that way and they never illustrate it that, this way, like the way I'm standing on this Bible now. But most of us live our lives. We say, no, we're in Christ, we love Jesus. But we live our lives as people who live in authority on top of God's word. And I'm just saying, that's not the kind of people we want to be. So, we're going to look at God's word, and it's kind of tough. And there is an apparent contradiction in what the Bible is going to say today. Aren't you excited? This is like... This is like exciting. And what we're going to find is that it's no contradiction at all. 
We just have to dig into God's word and we have to see what God would have for us. So, remember last week we started a new tradition? Anybody remember what that tradition was that we started last week? Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, right, because when the president walks in the room, right, everybody stands in reverence to the office. So when we read God's word today, we're going to stand. So won't you stand with me? Don't worry, you're going to be sitting for a while. So you'll uh, work off that turkey uh, and you're standing. Okay, so stay with me. Okay. All right. We're going to read James uh, chapter 2, verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Now, um, I want everybody to read verse 14 with me um, and verse 26 with me. And then I'll just read everything in between. Okay? So now, everybody has, right? So we have, if you don't have the scriptures, it's in the NIV. So um, it's also in your bulletin. So on account of three, we're all going to read it together. Let's go. One, two, three. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Thank you. Suppose a brother or one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by... If it is not accompanied by actions... Is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous? For what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Okay, if you've been coming around for like a minute, this is going to pose a problem. Now, if you're just new here, there was nothing wrong with what you just read. In fact, if you're an American Christian or in the American culture, everybody, like, okay, here you go, right? So you go to, they do, um, uh, like, if I do a survey uh, in, in American, right, I go, um, I go, hey, how do you get to heaven? Most people say, I know how to get to heaven. The way you get to heaven is by being really good. Just be a good boy. Be a good girl. Right? And what they mean is that just be better than the person that they're thinking about. Right? Hitler, Stalin. Uh, right? If you're better than them, you qualify. Maybe the guy down the street who beats his wife. Well, I'm not like him. Right? Maybe the girl who's cheating on her husband. Well, at least I'm not like her. So there's this sense where if you're in America, you think that the way to get to heaven is by being good. 
We have songs to celebrate this from when we're children, right? You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Anybody know the song? Santa Claus is coming to town. And at the end of the song, it says, well, it goes, um, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So what is it? So be good for goodness sake. And you didn't think we were going to sing Christmas songs today, right? Listen to me. Listen to me. People have adopted that with their relationship with God. And it couldn't be further from the truth. If you've been coming around, you've been hearing me preach over and over and over again. You can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can do nothing to keep your salvation. Salvation is the work of God. And you, by trying to add to that, are insulting God. But then we read the scripture that we just read five seconds ago, and we go, uh, I don't know. What is that about? Well, we're going to take good care to look at this scripture. Some people, some people think, now, I, I do funerals, right? I've, I've probably been to more funerals this year than you will be in your entire life. I, I, I do funerals, and this is what I do. It's a regular occurrence. It's part of my job, right? And the most interesting funerals to do are the people that I either don't know, uh, well, yeah, people that I don't know. Because when I do there, you know, and I hear, and I always go with the family, and I say, tell me about, tell me about your father, your son, your sister, your brother, your friend, your cousin, your aunt, whoever they lost. And they go, but, well, there, and if it's someone who's lived far from God, I always like to hold out the hope that they surrendered to Christ, and, the, and it's just proof, right, of God's grace, right, that just, but, and this is where this sermon gets sticky. Many times, I've got to avoid that answer, because their actions, their lives were lived in such a way that I don't know, I don't think so, I, I don't have enough, there's not enough evidence for that, I'm praying for hope. I'm praying for, uh, that, they, that they would actually have turned to Christ. But I literally remember, I'm, true story. I went to this older man, is, and uh, his sister had asked me to go. I didn't know his sister, I didn't know this older guy, but he was going to die. And eternity is a long time, and we really do. And this is, this, this is funky for you if you're new to church, right? Like, oh man, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about, heaven and hell. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to give you what you want. So, you're welcome. So, um... So his sister was concerned. She said, won't you come? And so I said, hey. And my broken Spanish, because it was a Spanish-speaking, and I'm a broken Spanish kind of guy, right? Um, so in my broken Spanish, I came up to him, and I said, hey, you know, um, your sister invited me, and I wanted to talk to you about... He goes, no, no, just go away with that. Now, this guy's like a couple of days away from death. Go away with... I don't want anything to do with that. Just get away. Just get away from me. I was like, are you sure? Because we could talk about this, you know... Um, no, 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 I don't want, oh, just leave me alone. Okay. Okay. But the Bible clearly says that there's this thing, right? There's this place that's called heaven, and there's this place that's called hell, and that everybody gets to go somewhere after they die. No, 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 no. Everybody goes to heaven. You don't want that to be true. 
You don't want that to be true. But you go, no, 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 but everybody goes, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. Heaven is just a little bit more of God than you have right now. And what I mean is that you have all of God, and, and that's actually a kind of blasphemous. Let me see if I can say this in another way. Heaven is experiencing God a little bit more than you experience. That's maybe a better phrase. And so, if that's the case, and you don't want anything to do with God now, why would, why would you want to go somewhere where God's will will always be obeyed and his glory will always be known? Like, you, you don't want that. And at that point, I just go, please change your mind, please change your mind, please change your mind. But you don't generally want that. So you go, oh, but God is unfair if he's going to hurl people into hell. That's not the case, folks. You choose. I choose. You want heaven? You get it. You get a little bit more of God, a little bit more relationship with God in heaven. And in hell, you get a little less. And so now, with that in mind, we go, now, the way we're saved is Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the grave, and it's our salvation is ours. He purchased our salvation. So the, he, Jesus lived the life that you should have lived, but you did not. Do I even have to convince you of that, right? Do I have to convince you about how grimy you are in the dark, right? Do I have to do that? I don't think so, right? You have secrets. I have secrets. Isn't that true? Like if we put your lives up on this screen over here or that screen over there, and we just said, and you know, Saturday, 2 o'clock in the morning, right? You know, if we put that up, you wouldn't know where to put your head, right? Am I the only one, right, who have stuff that, like, isn't there some stuff that you just ain't going to tell us right now, right, in polite conversation? You're just not going to do it, right? Whether it's stealing from your mother, whether it's, you know, beating that person up who was defenseless, whether it's, uh, you know, taking advantage of that weak person, whatever it was, you got stuff, I got stuff. Let's just agree with that, okay? Nobody's good. If you were good, you know, we wouldn't need Jesus. Let's just stop that, okay? Just let's stop that. You're not good, okay? Okay, neither am I. I'm not saying you alone. I'm saying I'm with you on this one, right? I'm grimy, right? Right? I look beautiful now. But but you know and I know that in the dark moments of my life, I'm grimy, more grimy than all of you. That's just the way. I'm the chief of, sinner, chief of sinners here. You haven't outsinned me. I'm the, I'm the worst one in the room. But this is why the grace thing is so important. This is why the grace thing is so important. And you go, even if you're here and you go, you know what? I just don't believe in right and wrong. I don't believe in true and false. I believe that there just is. And that the, we, there's no need for a philosophy that says that evil is evil and good is good. Listen, you don't want your spouse to believe that. Isn't that true? Right? You want to believe that. Right? But you don't want your spouse to come out. Oh, so what did you do today? Oh, you know, I had sex with Steve at work. Really? What, what, are you, what are you saying? Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's like having, you know, I had coffee. I came into work on time. I had sex with Steve. I made sure that I put the mail in the thing, right? You know? See, see you and I both know that coming into work on time, there's a moral difference, right, between getting the mail at the post office and sleeping with Steve, right? 
Like, even if you don't want to believe that there's a moral code, you want your spouse to believe that there's a moral code, right? Are you following? Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? Sure. So we're all grimy. I'm glad you agree with that. And so we're all grimy, and we need to look, we need to, look to Christ for salvation, right? And I'm a one-trick pony. You come in here, and that's all I got. I mean, that's, it. that's every sermon, right? We're grimy. We need Jesus, not only for salvation, but we need him day-to-day for life. There's nothing that you can do to earn that. And we've said that over and over again. Some people think that if they just do deeds, that they'll be all right. And others people, and you don't want to meet these people, who go, no, 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 it's, it, it's, it's just faith. All I have to do is just do faith. You don't want that. You don't want that. You, you want something different. You want what the Bible says. Now, let me, let me try to illustrate this this way. Have you ever had a person who told you that they love you and then they broke your heart? And you're, yeah, mm, that was a deep, mm, right? I, like, I, I, I just quote scripture and you're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And like, yeah, it broke my heart. Mm, yeah, I'm thinking of him now. You know, dirty Ryan sitting right next to me. You know? <laughs> and so, right? But we've all experienced that, right? I'll love you forever. And then before the end of the year, they're gone, right? Or, you know, I'll never, listen, I'll never do anything to break your heart. And then they go ahead and break your heart. What kind of love is that? That's a love that's not love, isn't it? If I, listen, I want you to focus in on me. I know that, you know, it's like, you know, you could be distracted by the things in your mind, but I want you, what, really, what kind of love is that? Well, it's no love at all. Because we could all agree that if you say that you love me, that there is some natural outflow of that statement, of that belief system. If my wife says that she loves me, it wouldn't be shocking for you to hear that she ironed these pants. That's an act of love. That's a precious act of love. It wouldn't be shocking for you to hear that I provide a home and finances for her. That's not shocking, right? Because love does that, right? You ain't taking care of my kids, right? But you're taking care of yours, right? Because love does that. Let's look at something else. Let me put it another way. If your kids say, Ba, Ma, I'll obey you forever. I wonder why you're laughing. Of course they're going to do that. They're NBT kids. All right, so you have that, you have that, right? And, and so they go, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to bo- obey everything forever. And then they hide the report card that you're supposed to sign because they, you know, right? They deceive you. And then they go, I'm going to take out the trash. And then they don't take out the trash. Now, let me ask you something. What kind of obedience is that? Well, it's no obedience at all, is it? That kind of obedience, we would say, and it's not because of what they say. It's not even because of what they believe. They might very well believe that I'll love you forever and I'll never break your heart. That might be a deep conviction. Like if you put them on the rack and you said, we'll kill you, torture you, if you don't 
renounce your love for your spouse, right? Like, you know, you can, I'll never renounce my love for my spouse, right? And so, and, but, but, so it might be a deep core conviction, but alas, if they do things that contradict their beliefs and their words, then what good is it? Listen to me. And I'm treading on really sensitive ground here, so let me see if I could say this well. If you say, I believe in Jesus, you say, I have faith in Christ, I believe in God, and then your life is lived like a practical atheist. What I mean by that is that you make decisions without God. God is never a part of the equation of your future or hopes and dreams. You have no, uh, you have no real uh, uh, dependence on God. You don't depend on God. You don't seek Him for wisdom. You don't rely on Him. You don't give Him thanks. I'd ask you the same question. What good is that faith? See, a love that doesn't live in love is a useless love, right? We call that hate. An obedience that is, a, is a, a disobedient obedience, we don't call that obedience, we call that disobedience, insubordination. A faith that is not rooted and centered in Christ, being lived out both in my home, in my profession, with my family, in my life, in the decisions that I make, in the future hope that I have, we would call that a useless faith. And this is where James gets on the bus. Because James is saying, there's, he's actually, he points before, he points to the, right? James gets so specific with this. He has three kinds of faith. He calls them that. So I want you to look at this verse, and it's pretty powerful. But now, we're going to get to the contradiction. We're going to get to that contradiction in a few minutes, okay? All right, so here we go. James 14. What good is it, my brothers? If a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save him? Listen to me. Listen to me. If a man says, I have faith, but his life contradicts that statement, just like, and ladies, man, listen to me. If the dude says, I love you, if he says, I love you, But his actions contradict that. Listen to me. Don't believe his words. True, true story. Um, one time someone hurt my feelings in a really bad, like when I say hurt my feelings, it did bad to me, right? They, they were just not nice. And I remember, I remember I was talking to Pastor Raymond about this. And I said, man, and they did this and they did this and I don't know how I should react. Can you help me with some wisdom? He said, well, you should probably stay away from them. He goes, no, but I love them. And I said this, no, but I love them. I want to help them. I want to, you know, serve them. And he said something that I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, Edwin, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. (laughs) Isn't that good? Right? Because if if I say, I love you, but my actions are, I hate you, then I'm going to believe 
I'm going to believe the truth. I'm going to believe what I'm, what I'm seeing. Now, it might very well be that in your heart, you, you know, you listen to Luther, right? And it's like a chair is still a chair, even when there's no one sitting there. Or, you know, or, or you might, you know, you might, I don't know. I'm trying to be, I'm, I was thinking of something more contemporary for you young people. I don't got anything. Um, but, um, you know, like caught up, you know, whatever. You know, that was like three years ago. So I don't know. And I'm sure that that song has nothing to do with true love. I think it's about going outside your relationship. But my point is, come back, come back. My point is, is that believe them. If, and, and watch this. When you show God, he believes you. He takes your word for it. He believes that if your actions are divorced from what your words say, from what your creed is, from what your beliefs are. He goes, I believe you. Okay, let's get back in. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Now, James um, actually asked the question in the negative. So the answer to this is no. It's suggested that it's no. Suppose a brother, here's the illustration. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Now, this doesn't mean like, you know, every person who asks you for money on the street for, you know, for clothes or food or anything like that. It's, it's, it, this is a brother, a person in the faith, a person who you uh, connect with. Now, of course, I think that you should do, we're doing benevolence for people, that 200,000 cans worth of benevolence um, for people and feeding them and clothing them. So we do this as a church. But what James is specifically talking about is the, in the faith hold of believers where people are connecting with one another and there's a regular relationship involved. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? Answer, not good at all. In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by actions, it's a corpse. It's dead. Everybody, everybody goes, you know, so, so most people go, I'll do deeds. I'll be a good person. Now, here's what James is not saying. James is not saying, be a good little boy, be a good little girl. If you just be a good little girl, would you just stop, you know, doing those drugs? Would you just stop being nicer to your spouse? Would you just stop stealing from work? Would you just stop sleeping around with everybody? It's all deeds, right? And go, oh, God is going to like me because I'm all deeds. James would say, you're headed for hell. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying about something different. And then there's another group of people who go, oh, yeah, I believe. Ooh, Lord, I believe. Oh, my goodness. I believe. Ooh, know the words to the songs. Speak the Christian lingo. Do the whole Christianese. I eat my Christian cookies and talk my Christianese and wear my Christian clothing. I'm all about, ooh, hey. And James is saying, corpse, dead, useless, worthless, if it has no actions to prove it, not to create it, to prove it, I will love you 
forever gets proved by loving you forever. I will be faithful forever. It doesn't get created here. It gets proved here. Am I making sense here? Right? I will be faithful forever. Gets proved in coming back home and not sleeping with Steve. And that makes sense. I will obey you, mom and dad. Is proved. Is proved by your obedience. I love Jesus is proved by your obedience to Jesus. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. Show me your faith without the proof. Show me your words without actions. But show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you, and I will show you my faith by what I do. No, no, no. We're not saying I'm not creating my faith by what I do. Everybody understand this. Who's, who saves you? Jesus. Right. Who died for your sin? Who, who will carry you home to heaven? Jesus. Who will help you to make right choices? Jesus. Who will give you a desire to follow Jesus? Jesus? He will give you the strength to follow Jesus. Jesus. You don't sound convinced. Who will give you the strength to follow Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. Who will help you every step of the way? Jesus. Sure. This is an easy test, right? Jesus is the answer. Listen to me. I won't create my faith by what I do. I will show you, I will prove my faith by what I do. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So James is going to teach us three kinds of faith that are no faith at all. The first one is demonic faith. See? Did you see it right there? Good. Even the demon... uh, uh, Verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. See, James is speaking about a demonic faith that says, yeah, God is real. Sure. Who doesn't believe in God? Yeah, God is true. Sure. Who doesn't... Ooh, God is awesome. You know, maybe Easter, maybe... you And he says, you know what kind of faith he calls that? Demonic. The demons believe that. It's useless. It's worthless. He shows us a different kind of faith. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So there's a foolish faith and there's a useless faith. There's a demonic faith, there's a useless faith, and there's a foolish faith. Let me tell you what that looks like practically in your life. You come to church and I pray, I pray that from this from, from this platform, you would receive instruction from God's word that would change the way you view your spouse, change the way you view your life, change the way... Like, I pray that it would change that. But more than anything else, more than anything else, and I want, I want life transformation. Like, I, I live for life transformation, but listen to me. 
that you would glorify God by your actions, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, and your decisions. That God would, that at the end of my life, people would say, they would, like at your tombstone, people would say, glory to God. Like, glory. Not your glory. Not my fame. Not your fame. Glory to God. The foolish and the useless faith is the kind of faith that says, I will believe, I love you till the end of time. Um, I'm sorry, I have to leave because um, I found someone better. It's a useless, that love is meaningless. The obedience that says, I'll obey every word you say and then disobeys. It's useless. It's meaningless. The faith that says, Jesus, your Lord. But, and then he comes around and he's as cute. I mean, right? She's, I mean, you know, she comes around and she's just as beautiful as you've ever seen. And he comes around and he's driving a really nice car. And then you find yourself off in a corner. And and here's the the choice. The choice is, am I going to bow to Jesus and say no to the boy or or the girl? Or... Am I going to bow to the boy and say no to Jesus? See, oh, but I'm a Christian. God will forgive me. Are you kidding me? I have a suspicion that my wife would forgive me. I certainly would forgive my wife. I, I, I hope she never tests that statement. Don't get me wrong. But if my wife goes outside of the relationship, I really, man, she's the one that God gave me. And insofar as I'm capable, she could leave, I'm not leaving. She could go, I'm not going. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. It would be criminal. If, and this is on tape. This is on the record. It would be criminal if my wife took that information. You know what we call that? Well, you know what we call that love? Hate. We call it no love at all. If my wife said, oh, don't worry. Edwin will forgive me. Yeah, I guess I will, won't I? I guess I'll have to, won't I? And it's something when we just go, you know what? I think I'll bow to the boy. I'll bow to the girl. God will forgive me. Yeah, I guess I will, won't I? It's a terrible way to have a relationship. Not something that you want to build on. And right now, I know that I'm just made like half of us really, really super uncomfortable. Because, right, you know, you invite your girlfriend, you invite your boyfriend. This is not what you wanted to hear, right? Can you go back to, it's like, you know. I get that. But I'm trying to illustrate that your words are proved by your actions. Am I getting this across? I wonder if I'm getting this across. That it's not enough to just... Of course you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. James is not talking about that. James is talking about what proves it. Right? Who here? Who here? would, you know, go to a gym and say, I need, you know, a personal trainer, right? And then a 500-pound guy walks through the room eating ho-hos. Like, who here takes that guy's suggestions, right? Do they even have ho-hos anymore? Do they even exist anymore? Right? Twinkies? I don't know. But who here? Who here would go, that dude has credibility, that what that guy says, he'll, oh, man. Okay, so let's keep it moving. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? 
Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, I want you to look at this because this is a very powerful... Now, I'm going to be jumping around. All right, so now, time out, right? I want all of you to refocus in on me. Refocus in on me because I'm going to be dealing with an apparent contradiction in the Bible. I'm going to show you and he goes, gosh, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? And, And we're going to address it, okay? So I have to take a break from what our sermon point is, which is what? It's simply that faith is proved by what you do. It's not created by what you do. It's proved by what you do. Okay, so let's look at this. Uh, In verse 20, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, that's James. I want you to listen to Paul for a second. Would you listen to Paul? Because it sounds like a contradiction. Paul, in Romans chapter 4, verse 1, says this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works... He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed in uh, God and and it was credited to him as righteous. Listen to me. So Paul is saying, here, you're saved by faith, not by works. And he's saying, look at my example, Abraham. And then James comes around and he says, hey, you you want proof that faith and deeds go together? Look at Abraham. And listen to me, they're speaking about, listen, they're speaking about different sides of the same coin. Paul is saying that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can do to, and Paul would also say that when you believe in Christ, it should produce something. See, everybody wants to, oh, 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 faith, yeah, 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 I'll believe But yeah, they're hungry, too bad. They're naked, too bad. They're cold, too bad. They're, you know, that's what everybody, you know, all faith, faith, faith. And then you have another set of people who's like, oh yeah, feed, clothes, give, you know, give shelter and all that other stuff. But they're not connected to Christ. Here's here's what the Bible is saying and what Paul and, and you're saying, listen, you can't tear them apart. That they're together. It's not a mental ascension. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh yeah, yeah, God is good. No, no, no. It actually has an outflow. That the way I speak to my wife is influenced by my love for Jesus. That the way I treat the person on the road who cut me off is influenced by the love that I have for Jesus. The way, the time that I come into work is influenced by the love that I have for Jesus. It's not faith over there, deeds over there, and never shall the two meet. It's faith deeds. It's my words are confirmed by my actions. I say I love you, I love you in all that I do. I say that I'll obey, I obey you in all that I do. So they're both talking about two different parts of Abraham's life. Now we're just, quickly, if you're taking notes, here's uh, the first, in Genesis 15, 6, Paul is pointing to... um, Genesis uh, 15, 6. 
And that's at the beginning of Abraham's faith where he says, um, and, well, I'll just read it to you. It says, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham trusted God and he was given a credit. Anybody know what a credit is? It's being given something, right? Okay, some of y'all experienced that this Friday. Did you not? Right? Right? Oh, this TV is being credited to me. Yeah, it sure is. Oh, this, you know, toy, this uh, electronic, this phone, it's being credited to me. I didn't really pay for it. All I did was exchange plastic, right? They, I give them plastic, they give them the plastic back. It's been credited to him. Now, the good news is, is that when God, when God gives you the credit, it stays yours. It's free. He doesn't, he doesn't wait for a payment. But there's proof that I could see, that you could see, that it's real. Not useless, not demonic, not foolish faith. Real, abiding faith. Jesus said it this way. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Paul is not contradicting Jesus. Paul is not contradicting James. He's saying one proves the other. They're they're not either or. They're both and. I love you, look at my love. I, I want to be with you. Look at my being with you. I want to bless you. Look at my blessing you. You don't, listen, listen, you don't believe that I love you? Just look at the last week. Like when you can say that there's an integrity about what you're doing, there's a deeds and words that are being matched together. Let's keep, all right, so back to what we were talking about, okay? Oh, and um, Genesis 15, 6, that's what Paul says. And uh, James is referring to Genesis 22, 14, where, his, where Abraham was acted out that faith in God by laying up his son. And everybody remember that story, right? Pretty, pretty powerful. Okay. That's in Genesis chapter 22, verses 12 through 14. We don't have the time to go into that. Take a note. Read it when you get home. Let's keep on reading. You foolish man, do you want... Okay, we did that. Um, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled. It says, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteous. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. There's, There's a proof. There's a statement. There's a proof. Verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab, Rahab was a woman from the Old Testament, uh, the prostitute, just in case you didn't know what she did for a living, um, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions. As the body, listen to me, listen to me. James is making a very powerful point. Listen to me. A prostitute got justified by God. The Bible doesn't even say if she ever changed her profession. I I imagine she did. But she was justified by God. Not because of what she had done, but because of what God had done. And then it was proved by her hiding um, some, some, um, some soldiers, spies, the, the, the spies, because they were on God's side. And that's, a long, that's another story that we could talk about. 
as the body is without the spirit, uh, as the body without the spirit is dead. You get that? So faith without deeds, a corpse. So your deeds prove your faith. Now, we're done with the theology part. Let's just bring this up. Because how, how do, okay, this is good information, and I'm glad that you got it. And if you never heard this before, I pray that you got it. And, and what I'm saying is, is that when you say you believe in Christ, there should be some proof. Now, here it is. It's a courtroom now. We just transitioned, okay? We're in court, and you're on trial. And you're on trial for your faith in Christ. Is there enough evidence to convict you? Like you're on trial, and the, and, the, and the accusation is, this guy, he's a believer in Christ. Exhibit A, what well, we really don't have exhibit A. Exhibit B, like if I just, if I did not, if I could not understand your words, and if I did not see where you went on Sunday, let's just take Sunday out of the equation, because you're here and so that suggests something. Would there be enough evidence for you, husbands? Is there enough evidence? Could your wife, could your wife, are you acquitted or are you convicted by the, the statement, is there faith in this husband? Could your wife, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the one that you swore to God you would love for the rest of your life. Does your faith in Jesus change anything? Or alas, is it worth nothing? Oh, I love you. Means nothing. Might as well say I hate you. At least there would be integrity there. Husbands, does your faith in Christ affect what you do? Fathers, Does walking with the Heavenly Father who will never leave you nor forsake you, who loves you even at your grimiest, who encourages you all the way, does that, does that reflect on your fathering to your children? Now, I, listen, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen to me. Wives, when you were with your husband or your boyfriend, maybe you found Christ afterwards, did it change anything? Like nothing? No, really? No evidence? You can't get convicted on that? Really? For real? Listen to me. Listen to me. It's a corpse. You have dead faith. Go to Jesus. You haven't surrendered to Jesus. Oh, but I've been coming to church for 50 years. Yeah, you need Jesus now. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get a whole lot of claps for that one. All right, I guess, might as well, you know, Jesus, he said Jesus. The musicians are going to come up. Listen to me. If I, now, listen to me. I could do this on and on. I could make you feel terrible. But if I finish this message right now, you'll think that it's about your works. Listen, let me tell you the truth is. You can't. Husband, you don't love your wife the way you ought to. 
wife, you don't love your husband the way, and if you don't believe me, ask them. Lean over real quick. No, don't do it now, because it'll be a fight. Um, you can't. Listen to me. Listen to me. And this is the point. The point is that deeds without faith is dead. That the proof of your deed, the proof of your faith is in the deeds that you do. If you find yourself at the end of the sermon going, I don't see the evidence, then fall on your face and say, Jesus, make me, make me the kind of guy that if I never mentioned Jesus from my mouth, everybody would be convinced that I was a Christian, following Christ, glorifying the King. Because you can't, but He can. He can do it in you. So, let me give you one practical application. So we're doing this food drive. Right? And on this food drive, you could just play softly, Steve. And on this food drive, um, the whole world gets to see if we're full of crap. I know, I know. I know, right? It just, I, I don't know how to shoot it any straighter than that. Like, I don't want to be, like, I don't, one of the things that I'm, in my soul, I'm, I can make this really emotional. I can make this emotional, make you feel really guilty. I can do it in about three minutes, no kidding. I can make you feel really guilty where you all go crying and leave here and, and go bring a bunch of cans and you'll think, oh, I, I did faith. No, it's a part. I did, I did look, I, I'm a Christian now because I did the works. But if you did them apart from faith, you don't understand what I'm saying to you. So here's the deal. All this can drive, all your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your husband, the way you treat your children, you're coming to work and you're leaving, you're working on, you know, all that stuff will simply be evidence of what is already true. It doesn't create faith. It just proves it. Does that make sense? Right? Given an opportunity to steal or not steal. Listen, it just proves. Now, I'm not saying that every time you sin, oh no, it proves that I'm not. No, listen, that's not what I'm saying. And if you've been around here more than a week, you understand that that's not at all what I'm saying. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. What I am saying is that a habitual life of faith will be proved. So, you know, you don't bring a can. That might not, you know, I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that your life is proved. You, what you believe is proved. So here, I want your faith to work. I don't mean, I, I want your faith to work for you so that you could get the bigger car and you could feel peace about your sins from the past. And, th- and that, you know, I, I'm just not saying that. I want your faith to go to work. I want your faith to be lived out in your works. That if nobody ever heard a word from you, they would be convinced that you are in Christ. You have a rare and wonderful opportunity to get creative, to go to your school, do a drive at your school, go to your jobs, do a drive at your job, so that this community would not just go, oh, look, church, steeple, oh, it must be a church. 
We know that this building's not the church, right? We know that. We know that we're the church. And so, if you're here, if you're here and you know Jesus, I pray that your works proves your statement. That's my prayer for you. Not that you're going to get, you're not going to get in any closer relationship with God. You're not going to do, none of that stuff. Listen to me. I just pray that your deeds prove what you said. That's all. If you don't know Jesus, Jesus, live the life that you should have lived, but you, you didn't, and you know you didn't, and I know I didn't. And he died the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. Don't have to. Listen to me. He rose from the grave for your salvation. Run to him. Some of you have been saying that you're a Christian for years and there's no evidence to you just need to you know what? You don't need to recommit yourself. You want you need to you need to just fall you need to fall on Jesus' feet. I don't know what to tell you. Fall at Jesus' feet. And some of you, God is doing a work inside of you, and you're still super rough around the edges. Rejoice in the work that He's doing inside of you. That mean being in Christ doesn't mean that you don't sin or that you never sin. It simply means that there'll be some evidence, right? For some of us, it's right. We've been coming around. There's boatloads of evidence. Wow! Look at how faithful. They follow Christ in their love and self-sacrifice and all that other stuff. And others are just like, poquito evidence. We just came to Christ last week and we go, okay, well, you know, I'm not smoking crack as much, right? Like, I don't know. So, so there's a little evidence. There's a little evidence. But again, it comes to Christ. So here's, so what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to leave here the same? Like, is nothing going to change in your life, your relationships, your decisions? Your de- is that the way it's going to flow? Are you going to be that person who punches in on Sunday? I, I don't know. But here's what I want to do. Um, we're going to have a person to uh, close the service. And I'm going to ask you to come up. And we're going to have some people. Um, to pray for you. That you just go, you know what, I think I, I, I'm in Christ, but I want more evidence. I got some. Or some of you will say, I'm not in Christ. And we'll, we'll pray for you then too. So, um, with that, I'm going to, we're going to do, the, 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 the team is going to sing. And so here's what we're going to do. Claudia's going to come up, um, Pedro's going to come up, and, um, uh, and um, we're going to pray for you. That's all we're going to do. We're going to pray for you. So if you feel like you just, you know what, God, I need you. I need to <laughs> prove me. <laughs> prove me, God. I can't do it on my own. I want to see greater proof that I'm yours. So just, and, and some of us, listen to me. If you're like me, there will be some stuff that you struggle with for the rest of your life. That's fine. But the evidence is coming in little by little. Right? So... We're going to pray for you. The team's going to sing. And um, 